Welcome back to 2 Minutes for Chatting. This is episode 76. 76? <laughs> fairly, Never fairly flying along. I thought it was 76. And it was 75? And it was 75. It's amazing that. Um, but we're There's back. So you always try. <laughs> you do. We're back um, with a fair bit of clan news actually to start off with um, on the coaching side of things. And then we thought we would team up with some old old chums and talk a bit about uh, football memories and general life stuff, which we'll get to in a wee bit. But of course, the news of uh, Zach Fitzgerald being relieved of his duty is the best place to start, I guess. What were your initial thoughts? Um, I was a bit surprised, I think. Um, Obviously, I, sorry, I just meant... I should say, hope everybody's safe and well. <laughs> but anyway, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody is. We're assuming that you are. We're assuming, yeah. Sorry. We'll carry on. Um, no, I just, uh, I guess I was a bit surprised. Um, just in the sense that, you know, the, the league had been cancelled, effectively avoiding the season, so it didn't really mean anything. Um, we did a full season of management under his belt. We could talk there of about a a better team for, for next year. Um, you know, I, I guess that he's kind of, his achievements over the season probably weren't up to scratch from a club point of view, but there was a long period of injuries during that time as well. Um, when we were playing a lot of games and um, before that, you know, we were, we were flying, we were top of the league. And, um, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Seems like an age ago. Um, that you know, that was probably surpassing any expectations that anyone had coming into the season, really. Um, and you know, you just got asked the question: if if we'd have stayed injury free, how would how would it have panned out? In the end? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as you said, it was a a great a great start to the season, and then a kind of severe drop which really put a dampener on it. Um, you know, the, the stuff that I've written down here, I thought he would be given another season. I think he could count himself a bit unlucky in that the season was cut short. Uh, and, you know, could... There's nothing to say other than probability, but could he have gone on and done something in the playoffs? You don't know. Um a guy who's come straight from playing, I mean, it's tough. But I don't know if it was the f- the decision was made, um, you know, was it was it mutual? Was it mainly based on the second half of the season? Was it fan pressure? Was it was it purely him? Um, I mean, all all this club statement really says is, Clan can confirm we've parted company with Fitzgerald. Uh, I'd like to thank him. He leaves on good terms with our respect. Um, so I mean, it doesn't doesn't sound like there were any issues there, but you know, it would be nice to to hear maybe a wee bit about you know it, our expectations were this, we didn't meet them, blah blah blah, that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess um, you know, I think once once the season ended, I think we. No, I don't think there was any illusions that nobody was really happy with the way that 
the team had been playing in the games at that point were um, pretty pretty woeful at times. Um, so I don't I don't really want to sugarcoat it too much, but um, you know because there were times we had a full team back and it just didn't work and it didn't really look as if Fitzy knew how to change it and um, to try and get the team working properly again. That yeah, that is one thing. I think the lows were were very low. Um, you know, if, if you actually you look statistically, um, forty forty one points from forty eight games we played, uh, a zero point four three win percentage. Um, I I think that part of the concerning thing, given that he was known as a defensive guy, was that we're averaging, you know, three point seven seven goals against. And only scoring two point nine, um, a lot of shots, way more shots against than shots for, um, a, a generally poor power play. I think could that would maybe be putting it quite nicely, and the penalty kill struggled as well. So, in all the kind of basic aspects, he struggled, and I think he just at times looked. Nothing like the passionate guy that you knew he was as a player. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. Um, there's times, you know, there's times during that bad, bad run where the team were playing hard, and you could see that, but almost sat trying too hard at times, rather than kind of focusing on what they were good in at individually. Um, and you know, you, you remember as well, like at the start of the season, when that sort of joint. Um, Joint record one run of eight games as well. I know. It just, it those, just those are the things. Amazing. Yeah, those are the things that kind of tilt the seesaw the other way that he could use to say, you know, that this is what I, I managed to do. But I think if it was a bit more, if there was a bit more consistency and that we we didn't go on huge uh, runs of defeats. What yeah. what I'm basically trying to say is, you know, if there was the odd win in, in that time and everything seemed a bit more positive, but we really slid down the table. And actually, um, you know, I, I do feel a bit sorry for him, but maybe maybe it just wasn't the right time or wasn't the right guy for that job. But, I, you know, I still yeah. think he was going to be given another year. So that, that's the surprise. Whether people wanted it or not is a different question. Yeah, I don't know if they've just looked at the, se- the season overall and obviously looking at the table, as you say, 41 points for 48 games doesn't look good. And just looking at that overall, you would say, judging by what's happened um, in the past few years, that changes, changes are needed. Um, but, you know, I don't... My question is how how do we move forward from this? Um, really, because I, I I don't trust anyone there currently to be able to find the right guy. Well, that's the thing, and also, how do you know what you're planning for? Really, we don't even know <laughs> if if we're getting a season. So, in that sense as well, it's it's kind of harsh. Um, we'll obviously talk a wee bit about. 
replacements and things, but it's a weird situation to do it because it's not as if we can just say, well, okay, the guy's going to be in now, the season's starting in a few months and he can plan and he's bringing in this team. You can't, you can't do that. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but yeah, it's it's hard to see how we're gonna get out of a kind of merry-go-round that we've made by way of coaches. You know, the the they've all showed promise. Uh, maybe even John Tripp at times won the odd game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they've, they've all showed promise and then yeah, yeah. at times they've been really disappointing so are we just going to bring in a coach for uh, another year and then decide he's not good enough and, and start the whole thing again It's I thought Fitzgerald was maybe going to be the two or three year plan guy yeah and um, you know what as I said before you know he had that, that season under his belt Um you probably learned quite a quite a lot from from that season, given the, the highs and lows that we had. Um, and, you know, he probably would have looked at, at ways to maybe try and change things when they weren't working. And um, but you know, who knows? And uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's four coaches in, in as many seasons. Yeah, it's almost as many wins as we got in the John Tripp season. <laughs> I actually, to be fair, I think it was a fairly similar win ratio, wasn't it? When it was all all said and done. But so I mean, we can only we can only really speculate. But obviously, we've got to bring somebody else in. Who knows when that will be? What the situation will be? Uh, there, there was. I'll, an, I'll tell you when it'll be. When will it'll be? It'll be tomorrow. Because this this is what normally happens when we record. <laughs> right okay yeah you're soon right as, actually soon as this goes out we always record the uh, night before a huge huge bit of news <laughs> or as clan would say news and exclamation mark and then clan, some clan towers yeah well um, obviously there was an article on British ice hockey uh, about it was essentially an interview with Paul Thompson, and in it, who is obviously the the ex Sheffield and Coventry coach, and in it he said he was basically flattered to be linked with the job, and he wouldn't rule himself out. But the underlying part of the interview was basically, I'm looking for a a job in Europe, <laughs> and if I can't get something else, then Clan would be decent. That's the way I read it. Yeah, that's that's basically what I took from it as well. Um, I don't, I don't personally think it would be a good move either. Um, given his track record, especially his signings at Sheffield, some some of them are very questionable when you look at the team now. Um, so you know, get, yeah. and obviously the budget would be as big for us. So he has he has won five elite leagues. Yeah, but this this is you know you're going back about now. I know, and I'm just just no, I know, I know. I other I just, you know, everything sort of moves, uh, kind of moves on, and it's yeah, you know, you're getting better players every year. Um, yeah, I don't, not not one for for me, but I think you know, it would. It seems like a stick on um, if you're a 
you know, if you're if you're anyway involved with Clint, um, say if you have to do any any real work recruiting or anything like that. So who knows? I can't I can't really see that one happening. I mean, um, obviously you'd mentioned looking for jobs in Europe and interest elsewhere. I think it'd be a kind of fallback from the way he's talking whether it would actually be that or not is up for debate. Um, you know, he did he did have some success, but whether he would still have that now, you know, he, he lost, he was released from uh, Schweniger in the DEL, which is a, you know, a good job. I think they were the, probably the lowest budget team in that league, um, which probably doesn't mean that, that the budget was that low. But, you know, he, he, he did okay there. Um, so whether whether he's looking for something else in Germany or not, I'm not sure. But the article was very much, we need to write something uh, possibly covering the clan situation. And it's locked down, so let's get a few words from him. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think there was really too much in it, clan wise, and and really other names. You you don't even you don't even know who who it could possibly be because the the way it's going, it will just be well, there won't be a season, but when there is, it will be some somebody we've not heard of. Well, hadn't actually thought about that, but. You know that that to me would just be doing. You you might you'd be better giving Fitzy the job again. Yeah, yeah. Nah, no, um, but it is obviously difficult with what's going on in the world now, and hopefully we we can have a proper season, um, whenever that's likely to be. But I'd, I'd like us to have a good coach to go along with that. I think we've tried the new coach route um, with with John Tripp and with Fitzy. It doesn't. It doesn't really tend to work normally. Um, I think we need somebody with a proven track record, but the problem with that is that it costs money. Yeah, exactly. And uh, would would they necessarily find that an attractive job when they see that you're maybe only getting one season of a go of it? You know, it's quite quite a hard fan base to please, I would say. Um, and then do we really want somebody who is coming in maybe just for a season and then using it as a stepping stone? I mean, that's that's another argument because if they came in and did really well, then you could kind of say, you know, well, they're sort of within their right to move on. But if somebody's coming in with the attitude of, I know I'll do well here, but the reason I'm coming in is just so that I can get a get something even better after that, then I'm not really sure I want that. Yeah, no, no, that's true. Who knows? It's all speculation. It is, exactly. Um, so I think when we get something anywhere near concrete, then we can talk about that. But just now, yeah. all we'd be doing is talking about Pasha coming in and working <laughs> with a bigger budget and still signing the same guys. Uh, but who knows? Um, that elsewhere in the league, obviously, a few, a few teams have started to sign players to contract extensions, um, and a, a couple of guys have signed elsewhere. Just in general, that's 
kind of surprising that people would sign elsewhere so early, but maybe they're given different guarantees that we don't know about. Um, yeah. I, you know, I can understand contract extensions because the league is going to start again at some point, and uh, guys who know what they're getting and stick around. But to sign with a new team, you never know, you might not even get a single game played next season. Um, yeah, no, that's... But maybe you get money, I don't know how this how it works really. Nah, don't know. Um, no, no idea. Yeah, so players who up till now have signed contract extensions, um, Tyson Fawcett and Cameron Critchlow, both at Manchester. Um Craig Garrigan at Dundee and possibly the highest profile I would say would be Luke Ferrara who's signed a two year extension at Coventry as well as um, you know Danny Stewart is back as coach I think um, and obviously he did really well well Ferrara did exceptionally well both of them did so if, if you were a Coventry fan I think you'd have to be pleased with that yeah um Definitely, that's you know a, a big, a big name, um, a good uh, Brit player as well, and um, you know get get a two year deal uh, is not something you you see very often in, in this league. So um, I think they've they've done well to to tie him in uh, to that given his season last year, fifty four points, um, you know kind of near near the top of the scoring charts and. Um, age twenty six as well, so he's still pretty young and uh, coming into the primary primary his uh, career. So it's a, a really good re-signing. Yeah, I mean that's if we could get anything like that out of Peacock, then you'd <laughs> be knew, laughing. I knew you were going. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously Ferrara's been. You know, it, everyone knew he, he was a good player. He was a good player at Sheffield, but. At Coventry, he was given more of a role, and um, you know, I think that was probably what you could say was a breakout year for him. And on that, you know, if he continues that form, then he's going to be one of the elite Brit players in the league if he isn't already. So, uh, a great signing there, and obviously having Danny Stewart back, given how well he did, is good for them. Um, Craig Garrigan, just really briefly, I mean, I think just some things at times I've seen from him, he's looked like quite a good young player. Um, I don't know if it's just Pasha is able to get more out of his young players than some of our coaches have been, but I've been quite impressed by him for such a young guy. So, I mean, I think from his point of view, it would be good as well, because if you're a player or a, a Brit player, at that age, and you don't really know what's going on, it'd be nice to have a wee, wee contract signed up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I agree with what you've said on him. I think he's he's looked a pretty good uh, young prospect, so it's good for Dundee that have managed to, um, to tie him down again there. Um, and, you know, as you say as well, he's got, he's got a good coach to, to work under as well. Yeah, and at Manchester... Tyson Fawcett and Cameron Critchlow, uh, two guys who 
did all right. I mean, Fawcett, I remember Fawcett a lot more. I think that's just because you seem to remember fast, tiny guys. Um, you know, they both scored pretty similar points totals. And um, Critchlow, I think, was an assistant captain. So um, it, it'd be interesting to see just in general over the next couple of weeks, months, if teams are starting to re-sign a lot of guys. Um, obviously Finnerty wanted them back so fair enough on that um, I think it was about this time last year that we'd announced Scott Pitts on the back which, like wrong, which means tomorrow we're going to announce he's retiring then <laughs> something big's happening tomorrow <laughs> you heard it here yeah <laughs> um, uh, sh- elsewhere Sean Bentivoglio retired Played at Cardiff, obviously, for a good few years. Had a lot of success there. Um, and I think they'll they'll miss him. Um, Andrew Johnson, who we talked about a wee bit last time we recorded. And being a, we picked him out as a one to watch for Coventry, and he did well. He's off to Bordeaux. So we'll see if he gets to play anything, any time there. <laughs> if there is a season, but um, I suspect he'll have got a pretty good offer there. Um, and then obviously the, the clan-related news was that Felix Antoine Poulin has retired. Um, he came and played with clan in the sort of midway through the John Tripp season, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Came from and, uh, Yeah, and had played... Had played uh, at Dundee previously, did really well. To be honest, I don't know if you're going to expand a bit, but I don't recall him being a standout when he played at Clan. But I don't, I don't really recall anything too bad. I think he was just pretty steady. But I'm not sure. I really, genuinely don't remember him enough. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was pretty steady. Did that a solid enough job? Um, obviously, at that. That one excellent season in Dundee, yeah, um, fifty points from fifty-one games. That's that's the kind of stuff that our forwards could only dream of last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, had that one good season, um, left and then and then came back under John Tripp and then played for Manchester the season after. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he was he was great as you say. A good sort of steady guy. Now I think that's kind of yeah what we what we needed at the time. Yeah, I don't actually really remember much of him playing for Manchester either, which is funny. Um, yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if I don't know if he started the season in Manchester. He definitely yeah. came in. But I mean, he, he, just looking at his stats, that he played forty eight games there, so it's a no, big yeah. chunk of the season. And then this year played at Bordeaux actually, um, was an assistant captain. And uh, looked to have a, a pretty decent season there. So, um, you know, you always wish guys well when they ex-clan players when they retire. Um, so best of luck to him. But, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be on the wall of fame anytime soon, but he's not going to be in the wall of shame either. No, no definitely not. Um, <laughs> age 29 as well is another, another young player that's... Um, Retiring, um, 
obviously the, the Springer retired uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's, that's it. <laughs> that, that, that is it. Um, and on that note, I think it's time to uh, to switch attack a wee bit onto some uh, some special guests, so we get them on. Let's do it. Right, so we've got some pals with us. Kevin and James, how you doing, lads? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Excited to be here. Obviously, as ever. Um, any guest that we have on, we have to treat with the utmost respect. Um, obviously, it's been a, a mental time with coronavirus and everything, but hopefully, you're all all getting on okay, and you're not too not too bored. No, fine. Just been managing my work in the house and just the usual daily walks, but nothing very exciting other than that. Um, we, we obviously all know that you're a, a an avid Partick Thistle fan. Is there anything kind of Partick Thistle related uh, that's come up with your work? You know, anything with uh, strips oh. or social media fame or anything like that? <laughs> Just the uh, last couple of days, I was in the, the Thistle Twitter, me modelling all my different shirts that I've been wearing to work every day. So <laughs> currently I'm uh, week five uh, of the Thistle Strips, Thistle Strips to work. Or thistle tops to work, not full strips. You don't save the full kits from when you're out walking at like six thirty in the morning. <laughs> full kit walker. <laughs> uh, if anybody's not seen that, then head along to Partick Thistle social media channels for uh, some some good pictures. Actually, you look pretty happy as well. I mean, how how many how many of the tops do you have, and when are you going to run out? I think maybe the end of next week I might run out. I'm just, I'm just, you can see the bottom of the drawer, so I've probably maybe got another six. Definitely got another six, and then that'll be me. You've run your Rangers tops after that. <laughs> uh, hilarious. <laughs> that can get edited out. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> like, we, all, we, all, we all know the one person that's worn the Rangers top in his life. <laughs> yeah. So James, what have you what have you been wearing when you you've been at work? Uh, depends on what calls I've got. So I had a video call this morning, so I had to make sure I was wearing some Ralph Lauren. Appropriate. I've actually got a Ralph Lauren t-shirt on just now, but um, <laughs> it's been quite interesting actually. Um, just seeing like quite a lot of the the gaffers now. Work. You've been doing video calls with them, and they're just in their casual clothes, um, but you can obviously tell that some of them have been like going on calls that have been with their board and stuff like that because they're suited and booted, so it's like a kind of strange thing where one day you're on a call and they're wearing a t-shirt and next day they're wearing a shirt and tie, so um, I've been quite busy, work's been, been quite busy for me, so it's been good to kind of be busy um, and actually kind of used to lockdown by now, so not too bad. I just I just wear the same the same top and trackies every day. To be honest, yeah. Um, so it's been <laughs> good. I've not had to do. I've not had to do as much washing and ironing, so that's been good. Yeah, that's no that that is always a bonus, obviously. But we we need to get into the serious stuff. So, um, the the main point is obviously how how football's been affected. From we've got two two different points of view, really. Um, obviously 
Party Thistle point of view, it was announced recently that the the lower leagues champ in uh, in Scotland were were going to finish early, and and that means that Party Thistle will be relegated. <laughs> what were your initial thoughts on that? Were you expecting it, or or you you disappointed? I think once they they had the fallout from the Dundee vote being withheld. Then you just you knew it was only a matter of time that Dundee were going to get a, sort of a carrot and a stick to change their vote to vote yes, and then we would get relegated. I think it's just totally unfair because we did have the game in hand, uh, which we could have won. We already beaten Inverness twice. It wasn't as if it was our fault uh, for that game being postponed or anything. So yeah, it was due to a cup game, wasn't it? Yeah, due to a cup game. So it's nothing that we could do or I thought it wasn't a waterlogged pitch or anything like that and we could have beat Inverness and we would have been ahead of Queen of the South so it's disappointing I, I don't personally think we, we've been playing better over the last two or three games just before the whole shutdown happened but over the course of the season we've been so poor that I just didn't think we would get out of it so I mean, did you actually so, not think sorry I was just going to say did you not think that you'd be out of it even if the season was allowed to finish yeah I think we would have definitely finished in the, probably, maybe in the playoffs but we would have been very close I think we would have been going to the last day again and trying desperate to stay up do you think um, after all this is kind of blown over a wee bit do you think there will be some kind of league reconstruction that would see Thistle stay where they were. Yeah, I think that's that's what hopefully the plan is that they're going to expand the leagues and there won't be any relegation, so no club suffers because it's not just the fact that we will get relegated. A lot of people will lose their jobs again for going into league in the league one, and the budget will be a lot smaller, and you don't want to be down there for too many seasons. So I think that so we don't suffer, and then also because if it happens further up the league. But for Harps, let's be honest, the other clubs in the Premier League don't want Harps relegated because the amount of fans they bring, the money they'll bring to different stadiums throughout the country alone, that's to get them replaced by a trip to Inverness or even they've done, obviously Dundee United on in the league, but I think Inverness and the clubs that are in the playoff positions are feel hard done by as well. And, you can kind of just see how important that is to the clubs. The two people that are leading the league reconstruction bid are Harps and Hamilton. And it seems slightly flawed because obviously they've got a vested interest in it. But right. I think Hamilton are just sad destined to finish anywhere between 9th and 11th. Yeah, they are. The feet that what Hamilton do year on year is just quite amazing. It's just yes. James, if you were. Uh, Reconstructing the leagues right now, what would you do? I suppose it's a it's an interesting one. I think probably first and foremost with what's happening this, this you know the, the Premier League. I think um, I would rather finish the season. I think obviously you know UEFA need to make a decision, but I think I would probably be like a lot of Celtic fans wanting the season to finish so that there's no opportunity for kind of tainted title talk. Um, 
I think in terms of the wider picture, the the split's always been a bit of a farce, to be honest. You're not a split you know, fan? Up, no, I think I, I can understand, you know, the need to do something a little bit different, but invariably what you end up with is a team in seventh and sometimes a team in eighth ending up with more points than the team in sixth. Um, and it just, for me, it just feels a bit stupid. Um, obviously, I get that there's economic benefits to the clubs that finish in the top six because they get another fixture against Celtic and another fixture against Rangers, um, which from a kind of financial point of view will mm. make a lot a, a difference. Um, but I would be or you know like to see something where potentially the split became you know less kind of influential in terms of the kind of latter part of the season but to be honest with you you would be talking about kind of major reconstruction to, to enable that probably moving to a league with at least sort of 16 teams in the top flight and I suppose at the moment you've got a lot of teams in the top flight if you look at like Hamilton, Ross County for example they don't have a lot of fans um, and I suppose there is a danger then that you end up with a lot of teams probably in the lower leagues that are in the top flight with not the biggest fan base and then there's a question about how that looks when you try to broadcast your product so there's probably pros and cons to to kind of expand in the league but I would expect that what will probably happen is that they'll make some sort of change that will enable Hearts to stay in the Premiership as Kevin said the Hearts chairperson and Bud she's the one who's kind of leading a lot of the reconstruction talks so I would envisage that whatever they come up with will be something that will ultimately safeguard the interest of Hearts. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't really sit quite right with me, the way that they've, they've done that with the 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 interests, obviously, are going to be protected from that point of view. I mean, um, I, I don't actually see any, any football being played for months, to be honest. So, if they're going to, if they're going to finish the season, I think it will be eating into a big chunk of next season, if at all, kind of thing. Um, you, look, you look at sort of what seems to be happening across Europe at the moment, so obviously there's been kind of various announcements over the last sort of week to ten days around plans, so obviously in Austria I think the players are back in training and obviously they're looking to kind of restart the campaign relatively quickly. I think the same announcement was made today that if Germany kind of continues on the current sort of trend that they're on, then the Bundesliga will start back. And I think it was the 9th of May was the date that they said. Obviously, those fixtures will be behind closed doors, but you would imagine that once the kind of German league starts back, other European leagues will want to follow suit. Um, with obviously the English Premier League, you know, desperate to finish. I was... There's some quite interesting stats around some of the financial state of some of the clubs in the English Premier League, um, which we might get into. But I think you're right. I don't think it will be any time soon that Scottish football starts back. And when it does, it will almost certainly be behind closed doors. I mean, Kev, obviously the, the fact that the season's not restarting might be quite a good thing for you because maybe you don't want to see much more of Thistle. Well, that's true. It's been a long time since I actually enjoyed going to the football. That's... What two? I see getting a season ticket and seeing two home wins, and I say, probably, I don't know how many home wins it was last season or the season before that, but it's been 
it's been a long hard slog in the last couple of years so it's suppose we've got a, a, a really good un, unbeaten record at the moment yeah <laughs> I mean I, I know you've got that uh, list of grounds that you've not been to um, yeah would, would the I can't really remember what they are so would the relegation mean that you could tick a few more off that list I think uh, it would just be getting to Cove Cove's new ground that would only yeah. be the only one because they were getting promoted oh yeah and they get relegated because uh, the only other one in that league was Stranra but they've got similar to Thistle mm-hmm. they've been relegated so yeah that would we would have to get relegated again, so I could get to see them all. See, w- when you were in the the uh, the top flight a couple of seasons ago, I think did Th- Thistle got into the top six, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, and then they, right. they had that thing where they finished finished with less points than the team below. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure at the final. Don't know. It was a, it was a bad end to the season, but anyway, could oh you, yeah, it was. Could you? Yeah. At that point, if you'd have said in two seasons you'll be, uh, you'll have two two relegations. What would you have said to that? I was. I wouldn't be surprised. I've done it, done it before. The last time we were in the Premier League, we got relegated two seasons. Well, obviously this isn't two seasons in a row. It's two out of three. But when we were yeah, in the okay. Premier League the last time, it was two consecutive relegations. So. Uh, Honest, I'm not surprised. That was it's just the more the the shock and when we got to the top six it was as if like we achieved the goal and then it just disin- it's just disintegrated after that. There was as if there was nothing else to do, to achieve. And it's just went everything's just went totally wrong since then. Yeah, it's uh, not not a great outlook, but maybe if you if you do if you do end up with the, the relegation confirmed do you think you'll enjoy the games anymore? Or will it just be another <laughs> depend how the season goes? I would hope so. Hopefully the product in the park and we start winning uh, enjoy the games. Uh, I thought I was thought this season we were a bit different and I can remember when we were the last time we were on in June we were talking about the end of last season and Thistle surviving and now we thought we'd kick on and how Thistle would potentially be yeah, challenging this season, but it's just been a total opposite. Yeah, you'll save money on your season ticket anyway. I suppose it does. So yeah. Um, do you think? Do you think Ian McCall will be there next year? Yeah, I think he'll be there. I think he's uh, it's, it's been good since he came in. He, he knows the club, but it's maybe not had the results he's wanted. It's the players and since January, we poor again. I think it's just trying to find the right. The right formula of the team we've got at the moment is just slow and lacking like pace, key position, just key positions. So just it's just so boring to watch. That's the problem. I just don't know what, what how they can turn that around. With what what we've actually got because all the players are so similar. What kind of style of play did they have at air? Was it more entertaining? And was that just yeah, because of the player they had? I think it's more entertaining when he had like proper proper wingers as well, like uh, Alan Forrest on one side, and then obviously last season they had Shanklin, and then they sort of had to adapt their style with certain key players this season before they came to this one. I think it was a shock that they decided to come back to Firhill, but yeah. hopefully it'll work in the long term because he turned air around. He got he got relegated to air from 
the championship down to League One and they turned them back, turned them around and got them playing, got a good squad together. So maybe yeah. that's what we need to do is get a, yeah. a, a young, hungry squad together. None of these yeah. professionals that don't seem to care or give a hoot yeah. just turn up and play every Saturday. Yeah, maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah, it could be, hopefully. From a Celtic point of view, lads, do you think, are you genuinely concerned about the season finishing and that you don't want there to be any chance of talk of, you know, like you said, a tainted title? Does that bother you in any way? I'll let James go first on this. I don't think it bothers the, the correct word, I suppose. But, I mean, the reality is, barring a, barring a miracle, we would have won the league anyway. You know what I mean? 13 points clear. We, I think, um, obviously two matches against Rangers um, and Rangers are game in hand. So, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it would be impossible for Rangers to win, but the likelihood is very sort of strongly in, in our favour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like the opportunity for, for the season to finish. I think, um, obviously, UEFA were supposed to be rolling on whether or not the, the league could be finished today. I don't think, as of yet, that's been kind of communicated if they have made that decision. And I think if there was a possibility that the season could end on the park, albeit you know behind closed doors, then that would certainly be my preference. I've just got, a, I've got a, uh, another cop on the BBC here that says. Um, UEFA's paved the way for um, the unfinished Scottish Premiership season to be called by outlining reasons for ending leagues, including insurmountable economic problems or a ban on sporting events. So essentially, just they've set, paved the way for for the SPFL to call the top flight so that Celtic would be crowned champions. And would that would that bother you in any way? Oh, I'd be, I'd be delighted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's just one of those. Oh. I think it would be f- basically forgotten about. It, yeah, I mean, not not this whole thing, but just the fact that it's not you know it's not as if it was two or three points in it, and I think realistically everybody knows that as a contest it probably was was over. Um, you know, it could have okay. Arguably, it could have been down to what four points, but at the same time, it could have been nineteen yeah, could have been more. Yeah, it could have been more. So yeah. well, the thing is, obviously, the the weekend that was announced in Scotland was the weekend that Celtic Rangers were supposed to play. So that would have obviously, you know, depending on the yeah. result of that, it may have made it slightly more clear cut. I think, obviously, you know. There would probably be more grounds for optimism had Rangers won that match, had it taken place. Obviously, if Celtic had won that match, then you know I don't think there would be any talk of it, it not being over. So, um, I think you know obviously would be delighted for another kind of title, but you know my my strong preference would be that we win it on the park, so that there aren't any possible opportunities for for it to be. You know, considered a tainted title. You know, there's already a campaign around the fact that some of the titles that Celtic won previously were tainted because Rangers went in the league. Um, so yeah, but generated by Rangers fans as well, my. But 
yeah, I suppose obviously in danger of this becoming a Celtic podcast, so maybe not straight into that territory, but you know, I think any opportunity that you've got to win it fair and square on the park would definitely be my preference. Yeah, I would agree with you, James. I think, um, you know, uh, preferably you would want to play it out. Um, I guess we just need to kind of wait and see what what happens going forward. Um, you know, if there is an option there to play behind closed doors, then, you know, I think I think the majority of fans, if you'd asked them a month ago, would have been against it. But I think now, um, you know, just because it's been it's been a while now without without any football, and uh, I think a lot of people are missing it. So I think, given the option now, I think people will be more for it. It's quite interesting on social media. I don't know if any of you follow the kind of more high-profile fans on Twitter that can I go to the matches week in, week out or sort of start to unravel a little bit. There was one earlier on that we saw whereby, you know, when you devote your life to a club to such an extent when they're not then there, um, it leaves a kind of void that some seem kind of incapable of filling at the moment. It's quite interesting. The one, the one question that I had around the, the SPFL if I may ask this question, was just around, you know, why why are the sponsors and why are the TV rights holders not insisting that the Scottish League finishes, but they are insisting that the English League finishes? Is it just because of the the amounts they're talking about there in England? What, you mean the, the amount of money that they've paid for the rights? Yeah. Because at, at the moment, are, are people getting charged for... Things like Sky Sports, are Sky Sports taking money from people, or are they? Are they? Is it so free can, at the moment? You can go on a payment holiday from Sky Sports right. at the moment. Um, and BT did a similar thing, but BT did it slightly more craftily. So BT offered you the opportunity to get credits or to donate to the NHS. So I'm sure there'll probably be some sort of benefit to BT, um, and the vast majority of customers donate to the NHS. But Sky, as I say. Until there's any live sport whatsoever, it's a payment holiday, and as soon as any sport comes back, then you start getting charged again. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. Maybe it just is purely that they've spent, I don't know, however many times, times more, uh, million. Well, I guess it is millions on it, and they want want their money's worth. I mean, up up here, obviously, they had. The main interest up here is is basically old firm games, isn't it? And the the one that they missed out on there that actually if if that had gone ahead, I think we'd have been hearing about how that was irresponsible and stuff after what came out about the Liverpool Atletico game recently, where they're saying yeah. that they think that's a you know that might have contributed to a rise in cases. Um, I think yeah. we'd have we'd have had that up here if that game had gone ahead, but. Um, Rangers had played uh, Bayern Leverkusen on there. That was the thing. It, it seemed slower up here because we weren't certainly weren't the first to announce first league to announce we were stopping games. I think we were one of the the later ones. So mm. I think uh, that was probably primarily down to the fact that it was that fixture that weekend, and they yeah. would have probably done everything that they could have. Yeah, and and sort of obviously in hindsight, you're right. It was good that it didn't go ahead, but at the time, 
think obviously anything they could have done to yeah make that fixture go ahead they would have yeah and that that would have had a probably an impact on the discussion but we don't know um what did you mention something about financial stats earlier yeah so i've been obviously listening to some podcasts and doing some reading and it was it was just uh i suppose talking about the financial element in the game in england so you've got i think the three new promoted clubs i think aston Villa and sheffield wednesday eh, sorry sheffield united their turnover um, to wage ratio, it's something like a hundred and for in Sheffield United's case, it's almost two hundred percent. Um, of the money that they get in, they pay out in wages. Now, obviously, that's because they've spent big to get in, um, mm-hmm. and and maintain a level in the Premier League. But you look at more established Premier League teams. I think Bournemouth is one of the more interesting ones. So Bournemouth's turnover. The wage ratio is something like 85%. It's basically for every pound born with them, 85 pence of it goes in wages. And it's just, it's, it's getting to the point now where, you know, clubs in England are so dependent on that TV money. I wonder if this kind of global pandemic will force a rethink to that kind of, um, that kind of economic model. Um, because it, it's clearly, you know, unsustainable. Um, and the fact that, you know, Premier League clubs are even considering using government sort of funded schemes when they're paying their players the salaries that they are, it just kind of shows the stark and drastic consequences that, that you know, things like this, which I know are unprecedented, will have on those kind of clubs. Yeah. I mean, and on a, on a different scale up here, obviously, a lot of the chat was about teams clubs asking players to take wage cuts and stuff like that and it's when you talk about the the players down south obviously they're financially stable as we'd be putting it mildly but the 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 worrying thing is is i think more the jobs that maybe not the playing staff and the coaching staff but certainly up here attached to the club so non-playing staff and things that's who I probably feel for as well because that's kind of forgotten a wee bit the um, to, to kind of expand the scope a little bit Barcelona it's their players I think so in Spain the rules and regulations are slightly different so I think it's almost certainly it was up to 70% I'm not sure if the final figure was 70% but I know that the players were being asked to to take away the ferals in that sort of region and then they're having to top up I think it was another two percent on top of that to make sure that the the non playing staff were, were given a full salary. But if you think about that, two percent of the first team squad's wages cover the entire salary of the non playing staff. It's just as you say the the, the the contrast is really quite stark and it'll be those people that suffer and probably are already suffering throughout World. Yeah. What what's the situation at Thistle Kev in that regard? Like did they, yeah. I know there were a few announcements and statements and things about it. But no, Thistle are paying the wages to the end of the season at right. the moment for everyone. So it's they've said that at the start that they haven't used any of the furlough scheme. I'm pretty sure. Um, I haven't read every every Thistle statement because there has been a lot recently. Yeah. 
That's another one to there's another one today actually at some about the season tickets. So yeah. you can apply apply for a refund if you're interested. Are you interested? Celtic Rangers and club statements. I know. <laughs> I know. No point in getting into that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, we could we could be here for another day. Um, so I just had thought up some questions about football memories and stuff, and. Uh, It'd be quite interesting just to get your thoughts on some of them if you'd be up for giving giving answers to them. Uh, the first one was basically what is your earliest football memory? My earliest football memory is <laughs> quite 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 fitting for the topic is uh, Thistle losing in the Premiership <laughs> uh, playoff against Dundee United and getting relegated. Is I that... can remember. I can remember going to the game with my dad, but I can't really remember the game. But I remember that my dad, when it was his second leg, my dad was working away, and he phoned the house and he was telling me that they got relegated. And you were thinking, oh, it does, I'm not really that bothered at the time." Or were uh, you? Uh, I'm not. I don't know what I was thinking. I just thought I can just always remember that at five. Right. So. Was was it? The only was up from then. It took a long time. Was that the first Thistle game you went to? Uh, no, I think it was games before that, but no. I'm not sure what, your first what, what games. James, what's yours? first other game that I went to, I think, was Celtic against the Birmingham Athletic. Um, I can't even remember the score. It was that memorable, but that was certainly the first game I went to. But I think probably... One of the kind of first memories that I've got was um, a Celtic Rangers game, and um, I remember Craig Burley scored Celtic one two nil, and Burley was one of my favourite players when I was growing up, um, and he scored one of the goals. So well, that that's probably my kind of when I started to take a real interest in football. Um, but yeah, obviously that. My first game, to be honest, wasn't the most memorable one because I don't actually know what the score was. I think it might have actually been a draw. When so when was that? Mid like mid to late nineties, or after it that? It have been. It would have been around the time when um, sort of between us, stop and ten in a row for Rangers and Martin O'Neill coming in. So ninety eight, ninety nine. Right. I would have only been about seven or eight at the time. Yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of the same. Like I can, I can remember sort of, I can remember players and stuff. So I, I remember um, Pierre van Hooydonk and George Cadet playing, playing for Celtic. Um, Andreas Tom, players like that. So uh, mid to late nineties as well. Um, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could pinpoint one game in particular that I sort of. No, that's quite hard. You yeah. as a first memory sort of thing, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I guess kind of maybe um, Celtic beat Rangers five one, um, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, I mean, uh, I remember, I remember watching that game and then uh, you know, sort of watching the goals back. You, you do kind of, you do kind of remember them um, from that time. So I guess kind of maybe around about then. I'm not mistaken, that game was a Saturday afternoon, wasn't it? It was in the radio, I don't even think it was in the telly, because it was before the kind of 
broadcast environment where every single Celtic Rangers game is on, on TV. Um, sure, that was a Saturday afternoon. Um, you might be right. Um, maybe I'm thinking, oh no, uh, uh, was Celtic, Celtic beat Rangers 2-0 uh, in that same season. That game was on the telly because I remember Paul Lambert's goal. So, uh, that was the that was at New Year. Or around, yeah. I think that was the kind of New Year game and he scored the shot for about 25 yards or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I remember that goal because I remember thinking it was one of the one of the best strikes I'd ever seen. Yeah. I, I actually haven't thought too much about my answers to these questions but I do remember somehow watching a, a video well, we're doing a video somewhere and it was Cel- a Celtic European game against... FC Tyrol. Does anybody remember that game? No. No. <laughs> no. It was yeah, one. It was one of those like season review videos. Don't know when I watched it, but um, the, a kind of related question was, what was if what was the fav- your favourite game that you've that you've watched? I suppose that can be, I guess, any time up, up till now, but. And either in person or on TV, probably in person. Um, I think in person's it's maybe a difficult one. I think the well, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't this the lunchtime league final at Holyrood, was it? <laughs> it wasn't. Um, nah, so I think well, when I was in Kiss class at school and like, we get put in the semi-final so I remember that I was too bothered about the final at that point um, but in terms of professional football I would say um, probably my, my one and only Celtic Rangers game that I've been to which was um, the 2-1 game at Celtic Park and uh, Nakamura's goal from about 40 yards out they just kind of Swerved and then found a good Hesslings late late winner. That was pivotal that season. It was, it was. Um, yeah, that's, I mean that's the only Celtic Rangers game that I've been at, and it was, you know, just the the atmosphere and just so everything about it, and obviously the outcome in the end was just amazing. Yeah. Any Dale's got any favourite games? Uh, I've got I've got quite a few favourite seasons. Obviously, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fair enough. Not this one. Not this one, but mainly this one winning promotion. I think we my all time probably favourite was when we won the league in two thousand and two at Love Street. We we won two 0 that day, and it's just it's we were away, and it's such a good thistle sport. It's just a party atmosphere. I'm just sort of realising that after all those years that. Supporting Thistle throughout primary school, we were back and we're, in the, we're going to be in the, the SPL. It's just something to really look forward to. And we were going to play in Celtic and Rangers and trips to, as we spoke earlier, about different grounds around Scotland that I would get to go to and see Thistle play. What age? Maybe, would you have been 11 then? Uh, yeah, I'd have been right. 11, yeah. So, so, you, so you'd have been drinking on the train. bus and all that? Yeah, that was it. Absolutely steaming the way home. <laughs> and then maybe sort of more recently, just uh, 
and we stayed up in the first season in the Premiership in uh, 2014. It was away to Hearts and we were 2-1 down and we would have went to the last game of the season. So we went down at half-time and we have went down to the last game of the season to see to avoid playing in the playoff. But we came back and we won 4-2 and it was a it's more special, I think. Oh, always seems to be more special these games when there's a midweek under the floodlights. And it's just great coming back from Edinburgh and we stayed up in the Premier League for another season. We didn't need to worry about the final game of the season or anything. It was just we achieved our goal and we were there and we were we stayed up there for obviously spoke for a good while, getting top six, which is another good achievement. Absolutely. James is is the Barcelona game at Celtic Park got to be up there for you? Yeah, it was probably Probably three in Camel recent memory, so that night was just unbelievable. I think, you know, one of those nights where you can see you were there because it was obviously an important anniversary for the club, and, and then just to beat that team, I think, was, was a great night. Um, I was two seasons ago, I think, we went to Ibrox and we went down to 10 men. and Odds on Edward came off the bench and scored the winner, 3-2. Um, that was a great day as well, because Rangers went in front twice. Um, and obviously Celtic tied them back twice. And then when they went down to 10 men, you were feeling the worst. And then obviously Celtic, Brendan Rodgers at the time made a kind of tactical change that just changed the game. And Edward just showed his class and probably announced himself to the Celtic support that day. So that was a great day. And then probably... Most recently, uh, Lazio, home and away, particularly the away game, um, being in Rome and Celtic don't really travel that well in Europe and just, again, the manner that you win that with a last-minute goal and just the, kinda, the fact that, you know, Lazio, look at kinda how they performed after that, to actually go there and win was just an incredible performance. So that that's definitely up there. Um, I think... You know, in terms of non-Celtic memories, I don't or non-Celtic games I've been at, I don't really have that many. So apologies for kind of well, making the cliche. <laughs> the next thing I was going to say was, what is what is the favourite your favourite ground that you've been to to watch a game, any game? Uh, probably a couple in Germany. So. Celtic went to Gladbach and managed to get a ticket for that game and that was just a great stadium, really modern, um, quite close to the pitch and stuff like that. It was that was good and then obviously the Alliance Arena is just different class. Um it would probably be good to go there on a on a kind of German match day where you can drink beer and sort of sample a bit more of the atmosphere. Obviously on a Euro away date it's a bit more kind of herded yeah. cats and you're kind of marched to the stadium so you don't really get the chance to experience a lot of the stadium but that was a really kind of modern um, cool stadium so those are probably two of the favourites I've been at Any other? Any other good shouts for that? Um, I, I've not really I don't know I've not really been to too many games outside Outside of, uh, of Scotland, so I couldn't really. What about? Uh, I can really give you 
Robert what? Robert Duisburg. I was going to say, uh, and James Vance in Germany, I thought he was going to mention that. Yeah, so did I. That was just uh, that like a good catering facility. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I've got a, a bad memory about that again because I spent some day to go and get me a, a water and they came back with some. Uh, <laughs> I don't speak some, German. Some fuzzy water. So I don't. Like, you don't speak German? No. Can you tell what I it looks like? Didn't know how to translate what I was asking for into German, so I'm sorry, mate. That, that, that memory will never be forgotten. Can I, was, can I tell you one I stadium felt, that I've been to that was rotten? Say that again? Can I tell you one stadium that I've been to that I didn't like? Uh huh, yeah. The New Camp. Right. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Why was not that? For a, not been for a game, but just from the tour. Yeah, yeah I did it too, but it's not. Yeah, so a bit of a dump, bit of a dump. Yeah, I would, I would also agree with that. Yeah. So we paid, we paid something like, this is when I was studying over there, so it was like 100 euros or something we paid for the ticket to watch Barcelona and AC Milan in the Star Cup, I think in the sixth tier. So you're essentially like, you know, in the sky almost, right beside the Milan fans with no netting up and they were just throwing stuff constantly. Um, it's the reason you don't really, you can't really make out what's happening in the pitch because you're so high up. Yeah. Um, it really, for, for a team that obviously played brilliant football, the, the stadium's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, I've, I've been tagging there and it's, it's just, I think it is, you're like one of those that I suppose you could just say you've been to a game at it, or in the other case, maybe you've seen Messi play or something like that. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not a state of the art experience, I wouldn't say. And really, the, the tour isn't either, but I guess they've just got that we, we are Barcelona type thing and we'll do what we want, I guess. Um, the, just, uh, sorry, just yeah. going back to the the games and stuff like that. I was also at that um, Barcelona game, uh, certain Barcelona game that James had mentioned. Um, but I was, at, I was at a job interview earlier on that day in Southampton. Um, and then I, I, I went for the interview. Clearly, I was absolutely shocking that they just sent me away. Um, and then I got a flight, <laughs> flight back up. Um, clearly my mind was on other things at this point because I had a ticket for the game uh, got a flight back up and then arrived at, at Celtic Park 10 minutes before kickoff. so it was I'm glad I, I made it for the start of the game and just yeah I mean just everything that James had, had said there as well just an incredible one and just uh, felt really sort of privileged to, to have got a ticket for the game yeah um, right three if you were to pick this kind of thing's been going around, I think, on social media. But anyway, I just stole it from there. Three three players that, when you were growing up, made you want to watch football. It doesn't need to be three, I guess. Just any players. Right. I don't know. I mean, I've got I've got a big list. It's a it's a big list. I'll I'll let somebody else somebody else have it first. From when grow from growing up. Is just from that that thistle side, you know, we won the like two back to back league titles from second to the first. It was like, oh, it's probably going to seem quite cliched, but like Alan Archibald and Scott Patterson always really 
just enjoyed maybe because also because when I was playing football then I also played played in defence so I also enjoyed more watching that side of the game as well. It's obviously attacking side, but I always like to see how the centre centre halves were doing and what they were what what they were up to as well. And then maybe elsewhere outside. Uh, maybe watching more football on the telly, like from from stuff down down south. Always like appreciated like watching players like Henri and uh, Van Nistelrooy at Manu, and then also the sort of the Manu team with York and Cole as well. Previous to that, ninety nine, or more attacking side of the player. Yeah, yeah, it was all pretty good shows. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect this to get uh, Scott Patterson and uh, Andy and Cole in the same in the same sense, but there you go. Uh, it's good, good to have a good to have that kind of that depth, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that. The first good five, it's a good five aside team. One of one of my favourite players growing up just to watch had to be it's an obvious answer again, but Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm refusing for me. I'm refusing yeah. to call him Fat Ronaldo because R nine yeah R nine because what a player he was because he you know when we were ninety eight World Cup obviously and uh, just kind of the next the next few years he was the guy that I think got people out of their seats and just the pace pace power, finishing, everything. He was I think he was iconic. You don't really you don't really get that same kind of player as much now that just seemed to be able to change games and go past people so easily, if you know what I mean. But maybe that's maybe that's not true, but I, that's the impression I get now. Yeah, I think um I think Messi's pretty close to that. I think he um Maybe not uh, maybe not now, but certainly. Um Messi's almost kinda of underrated though, isn't he? Because he's just so good at everything. So like you know, often said like you stick him in midfield and he'd be the best passer. You put him at left back, he'd probably be the best crosser, he would, you know, be up and down, he's the yeah. best shooter, you know. Yeah. Like he's just I mean He's so good at everything that you probably then underestimate some of the things that he is good at, and I kind of I, I know that sounds a bit stupid, but I get some about Ronaldo having just that sort of like signature move. Messi's just got so much in his locker. I think the, the thing is as well. Sorry, Kev, I'll, I'll let you come in every second. But just like when, when you're a wee guy <laughs> and you see you see guys like Arnie, and you just think like it's just absolutely incredible, like what what you can do with the ball. And, like you say, France '98. Um, it was probably my earliest World Cup uh, memories were from that. And you know, see seeing that at that time, you just think, "Wow, this is this is incredible." And then you know, the more you sort of, you grow up, and then you see guys like Messi, and you think, "Well, they're they're really good," but you don't really. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because you you kind of grow up watching. Also Scotland. Scotland were obviously at that tournament. So Ah uh, yeah, of course I. There was kinda a bit of an added interest in that, but no, nah, I mean he, he was he was great. What were you, Kev? 
I was going to say that he probably started, he probably don't appreciate what Messi does now because he's been about for so long throughout all, all our years of watching football on the telly. You're just like, it's like, oh, that's, you just expect him to do it now. You don't really appreciate the skill set that he does have that James was talking about. That he has a just unreal talent and they're probably lucky to be growing up watching him on the telly or even like yourselves getting to see him live. I know there's so yeah. many goals that he scored, but do you remember the one that he scored recently against Bayern Munich when he put Jerome Boateng back and then Chip Neuer we we come to it? Yeah. Like, I mean, of all the goals that he scored for me, that's got to be one of the best because at that time, Boateng, one of the top defenders in the world, he made him look as if he was playing amateur at Tory Glenn and then Neuer comes running out six foot six or whatever he is and just dinks him with, the, with his weaker foot. I mean, I thought there was a goal to sort of summarise the repertoire that Messi's got, it was that one. I always remember the one as well at the Champions League final against Man U and he scored with a header and it's the whole build up was that oh, Messi he doesn't score but you said he can't he can't deal he won't be able to deal with coming up against these big defenders in the final and he just took my took Man U apart just by scoring a goal from across and scoring a header and then it's like he can, he can do everything. The media's trying to talk up that he's, he, won't, he won't be able to hack it against Man U in this final. But it's just that he just went on to another level for, for me from then, just like to appreciate the talent. Yeah. Pretty sure that season that he scored that header, Man U had played Roma. Um, don't know if it was the same season that they played Barcelona in that final, but Ronaldo had actually scored an, abs- an absolute belter of a header in the same stadium at that same end. I don't know if Messi's goal came before or after, but um, it, you know, as you say, Kev, people said he can't head it, and then he pulls out a header, which Ronaldo would have been proud of. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I love Messi, though. Like, I admire him, and I think you know he's one of the best, if not the best, that I'll ever see, but don't probably admire him as much as I admire Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. That's that's for another time. But I mean, the other ones. Who, who would you say so? Well, just things that I remember, like memories, things like um, Zidane for that uh, goal, that, yeah. goal at Hamden. So, because quite a lot of the memories of players I'm associating with events that that happened that I remember. So, like that. Roberto Carlos free kick, uh, the Zidane volley. Um, another player I always liked was Pavel Nedved. Mm. Thought he was a good player. Um, obviously, like I'm trying to think if there's any keepers as well. Uh, don't know. Buffon's obviously been about for years, but even like Oliver Kahn and stuff, Casillas. just guys. Yeah, Casillas, Casillas, just guys that you remember being. Pierce Michael was my hero. He was a goalkeeper. He was. I remember my brother had his jersey and he would dive about back garden and kid on him was Peter Michael and just obviously the fact that he played for Man U and that was who I kind of supported in England growing up. He was. He's an iconic figure in my childhood. Yeah, I mean he, he definitely was one of the, the top keepers. 
I think probably of I don't know the last what could you say however many years I mean he he was a guy that I think a lot of keepers probably model their game on um, just because he, he, he made saves with just bits of his body that, and keepers aren't like that anymore I don't think he seems like the kind of keeper that it'd be easy to be a defender in his team because he just came for crosses and pushed guys out of the way and stuff but yeah he's well. a, a presence such a presence as yeah. well so you'd be scared surely as a striker you see him you be slightly scared and put off it's like you don't get keepers that are sort of that same I, I, width but still athletic now keepers are athletes now I would say yeah if you were picking a, an, an all time English Premier League era team you would be the goalkeeper without question I think yeah, it would be hard to hard to argue with that. I think we should we should do that next thing. Um, there's just just the the final couple of questions I had. Um, firstly, a bit more light hearted, but related to what we talked about earlier. Your favourite and least favourite uh, kits, strips, tops, whatever. I think, um, well, we kind of touched on it, Sam, the France 98, I can always remember, uh, just my birthday was just before the World Cup started, and I got the Scotland away top, uh, it was yellow, uh, navy shorts, it was the full strip, just before they ask, and, <laughs> uh, and I had my, had my I had bell, and I think it was eight <laughs> on the back, for that's what age I was, and I always remember getting, getting that, and then wearing it for the opening, the opening game, Scotland are playing against Brazil, and Mm-hmm. It's just ma- just magic. So I think just the sort of whole experience from what that top relates to in Scotland playing in the World Cup. Didn't think that at eight that'd be the last time that would see is at a World Cup. Yeah, I know. That was that was the one with the kind of blue stripes at the sh- on the shoulders, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. No, I remember that. What be your least favourite? say I don't like Scotland in any kind of pink or salmon in general yeah, I, always, I always tend to like strips that are a bit different from the norm so yeah that's, that's what I would agree with that as well and in Scotland I can always remember Scott's talking about the salmon I can always remember a game like it was Scotland played Germany and they beat Germany away 1-0 when they were wearing the salmon uh, <laughs> yeah. top yeah then, I so don't like know. different tops like just in your memory obviously because they hold happy memories you like the top more yeah yeah I suppose it's weighing up what they actually think of how it looks against what happened when the team or whatever was wearing it yeah but yeah I don't really like any of the 
the Scotland pink or salmon kits, to be honest. Uh, but then I'm trying to think if I had. Did I have one? I maybe had one. I don't know why, but. Uh, James, what about you? think um I don't know I was I was thinking about this because I probably I mean try and avoid the sort of cliche Celtic answer because I think obviously a lot of the kind of first trips that I had and probably for the kind of up until the age I was probably about 15 or 16 I would have every strip and it would be the full strip so um obviously those have memories but I think probably one of the ones that I remember most was 2006 World Cup um and I was in France at the time, and obviously the final was between France and Italy. Um, and I was obviously in France, but I was wearing an Italy top, um, watching the game because that just that you know I, that's just the kind of person that I am. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that top that they had on, I just always remember that because at the time, like a lot of the kind of most famous players in the world were all on the Italian team, and you know they. It was just, it was not a particularly great game, but just that whole sort of memory. I think whenever I see that top, that's always kind of what I remember. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say that one. Um, in terms of my the... favourite strip, I always remember I, I had a Celtic top. Um, it was like one of the yellow away ones, and I had, I don't know what I'd done, but I caught it on a fence or a metal or something like that and it ripped it and I always hated that top because I only had it for like three or four weeks before I damaged it mm. um, and obviously it was just new so I you know, I kept wearing it but I, if I could point the top out if I seen it it was one of the first ones I got rid of Was that kind of goldy? A kind of goldy coloured one that had this sort of dark green trim on it? Yeah An NTL really. one? Aye, it was NTL and it was just, honestly, I was... I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because you know that I hated it. <laughs> I was going to ask a question. I like it even more, but no. <laughs> Go for it. It was obviously, obviously that uh, Stephen and James were well known for having a, a name and number in the back of their shirt, so what was your, your favourite? Well, oh, that, funny that, that strip, I think I had, uh, I think I had Larson on that one, actually, but, um, no, sorry, I had uh, Petrov on that one. Did you not have a Janine one? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'll edit that bit in terms, in terms of the worst. Name and number, I always remember my brother got Jamie Smith on the back of his. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Jamie Smith was, um, he was kind of like James Forrest type player, but he never went on to have the career that James Forrest had. Was it like 39 or something? Yeah, for some bizarre yeah. reason, my brother wanted Jamie Smith on the back of his top, so um, I'm pretty sure he regretted that decision not that long after he got that, but I think, well, he's, again, this is a bit of an insider, story but you know you'll all know one of my nicknames when I was growing up and it was related to a name and number that I got in the back of a Celtic top so one year I got Baldy Six on the back um, and then I became, I became known as Bobo for for a number of years um, and a lot of the guys that I play football with um, around that time still refer to me as Bobo 
it's a it's a good nickname to be fair. I remember I had a an Italy top with Del Piero in the back from late nineties or early two thousands. I like Del Piero. I don't know if I mentioned yeah. him, but it was the the badge, the sort of older Italian football badge with the circle on the top, kind of on the oh, top, yeah. kind of offset the top. It's not like that now. It was one of those, so it was a bit older. I like there's something about the older kits. Um, yeah. So. I'd agree. I'd agree with your assessment on Del Piero there as well. Yeah. Definitely one. He was one that I liked growing up as well. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldinho and uh, Ronaldinho for me was probably the best football that I've that I've seen, not live, but seen just in general. <clears throat> when football at his peak, he was unstoppable. Yeah, and yeah. now he's got 50 different passports and 50 wives. Now he's from Paraguay. Exactly. That's, that's, that's where a, a good career can take you, though. That's how it works. Um, right, last one. Uh, best and worst signing that your team has made? I've already covered mine. Virginia. <laughs> what is the best? <laughs> course nah uh, well I mean obviously obviously it would, it would have to be Larson if you're for talking for talking about Celtic yeah. I don't think there's there's any real competition there yeah I mean fair enough I, don't, I mean James what are your, your thoughts about any other I mean to be honest with you there's almost two questions when you ask this so, so who's the best signer and then who's the best signer apart from because <laughs> um, I, I mean, greatest ever player that I think we will see, unless some sort of miracle happens, and you know we unearth another one. He was just, I think the fact that we held on to him for so long as well. You know, I think if we had Larson in this era, I don't think we would have held on to him for anywhere near as well. Just incredible player. The worst one, I don't know. The worst one. Um, there's been so many accepted. I know, like Mar- Marvin Comper. Well, Marvin Comper was a shocker, but I think probably one of the worst for me was Dewey. Mm. Because I think part of that was like the fanfare and like Celtic were opening up into the Asian market. You know, there was this sort of Ferrari, and he was honestly one of the worst players. I think. I mean, it looked like he'd never played football before in his life. Yeah. Um, he did play 45 minutes to be fair and then he gets sent off oh, it, was, it was dreadful at least Com- I mean Comper played what 78 minutes against Green Mark it cost us yeah. one and a half million plus at least another million in wages he was bad what a player the worst I think the worst of all time though if you're probably talking you would have Janine there you would have I mean Dewey probably wouldn't have featured on an all time list Comper would definitely feature um, and then Raphael shaped, shaped by name, shaped by name. <laughs> Five and a half million we paid for him. Was it really was it as much as that? That was Sorry. a ridiculous amount. Ridiculous amount. I'm sure. I'm definitely. You know, it was definitely at least five million. And I think, you know, the that phrase that or that, you know, strapline that was definitely one that stuck. Mm. Um. He was awful. So those are probably the top three. It would be Janine Compar and Raphael Shite. 
According to transfer market, Raphael Scheidt cost Celtic six point four eight million. <laughs> from Gre- from from Gremio. Imagine Celtic spending that much on a player now. First of July nineteen ninety nine. If he turned out to be as shite as he was, uh, it'd just be incredible actually to think about it. And um, that at that time Celtic did spend quite a lot of money though. Again, not one to yeah. mention the Celtic podcast, but Martin Neal came in, he spent something like twenty odd million on a number mm-hmm. of players. Neil Lennon, Chris Sutton, John Hartson, Steve Gutter, I think they were all sort of five, six million pound signing. He didn't actually yeah. leave on a an a, an actual transfer until a free transfer in two thousand and four. According he was to probably this. on. He would have probably been on a bumper contract as well because yeah. of the. Yeah. The size of the transfer fee. Uh, he was. Incredible, I mean, yeah. that's got to be one of the worst signings of all time for any club. What there's definitely it? been. There's been a few sort of high-profile ones at Celtic, like. Well, I mean, fit. Uh, the likes of Carlton Paul and stuff. You just. Colin Cashin Richards. Yeah, I don't, he wasn't, I, I thought he was terrible, I thought he was terrible. There, there, there was a spell though where they kind of had their sort of two or three front line strikers and then they would always sign a kind of journeyman English Premier League reject, so it was like Carlton Cole, Kazim Richards, mm. um, Diamante Camera I remember as well. Um, he was alright as well. Uh, it, was, it was weird though, just like yeah, that, I was, I not that long after the time that Obviously, Rangers hit their troubles, and there wasn't really any need for Celtic to invest in, like, you know, a better caliber of player, which meant that they just signed all these diddies. Yeah, do you remember um, just non non uh, high profile players? But do you remember Josh Thompson for Celtic? Ah, oh. I think he he was the worst defender I think I've ever seen, and that's. <laughs> That is, uh, that's been very kind to to guys like Jack Hendry as well. What? Jack Hendry, that's another, I mean, that a million, over a million transfer fee for him. He was, yes. So I think there was a player in him, but Brendan Rodgers, as we kind of discovered, left a lot of people hanging, and Jack Hendry was one. And, and, uh, and uh, given that we're at, Danger of leaving Kev hanging. Kev, what, uh, well, what, what are you? Uh, f- I think one? my favourite player. Thistle signed. It's quite cliche to be probably and maybe Dylan. Just for what he's a, what he achieved at Thistle, it's quite easy. We've seen we've seen quite a lot of the players that we had for for a long time that were, were there for a good while that had that that course in the Premier League to, to get us promoted to the Premier League. The mm-hmm. Erskine and Stevie Lawless. He had Balatoni, uh, Stephen O'Donnell was there as well. But it's, uh, for, the, for the poorest players, it's, it's hard. There's just so many. I was trying to write my blood, it's just from the last couple of the couple of years. And some of the players that we signed when we were in the Premier League, and it's just it's like Antonio German we signed. We signed him in January for six months. We played once. Uh, so somebody else, Jason Banton, we signed him as well. These players just never played, they just got a wage and then never played at all. And then 
There's other guys, obviously, some more iconic signings. <laughs> oh, one other one was uh, Milan Nitrinsky, who signed him. Uh, I know that in the season we got relegated, it's just, it's just, wasn't a, it's players just like, how did, did they pass this? Or did they have a trial or did they just... <laughs> yeah, did so it was just a yeah. sort of situation where you found their name in the newspaper and phoned Yeah, yeah. aye. And the agent just gives you them and just says, right, here's, here's such and such. Yeah. Where would you rank uh, someone like Armandoni? Uh, Armandoni was okay because he, he could score and he, he had limited ability, but he knew what he could what, what he could do. Whereas yeah. some, some of these players that this would sign like from the clubs down south that he thought, oh, they look like a decent pedigree, like, they're just never a footballer. Mm-hmm. They can maybe run, but they can't control the ball or do other things. And then obviously maybe I don't know if I would class Big Pogba in the failed signings, oh, but yeah. he, he always felt like you could have got a lot more from him. He just always just looked too happy. Just like <laughs> yeah, it is some name though still. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's that's... kind of funny that that he was there. I remember yeah. him being, he was alright. He's certainly not the worst, but... No, it's not the worst. He just kind of felt that... Flattered to deceive me a wee bit. Flattered to deceive me, he just felt he could just get a lot more out. He could, you could feel that if he lost maybe a wee bit of weight and he, he, he could be a player at this level, he, he could have done a lot more. He just always just... Obviously, his brother, it was always the rumours that his brother just sent him money anyway, so... It doesn't really matter, and he had all his brother's old cars at Firhill, so yeah. it's always the only time I've ever seen an Italian number plate sitting outside Firhill. <laughs> yeah, some life, that's the way to make a career. I know, that's it. Still play football just for enjoyment, and your brother just gives you money on the side anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right, well, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap it up, unless any of you guys have got anything else you want to talk about. Uh, no, I'm happy. Thanks for having us. Mm-hmm. Cheers for, yeah, cheers for coming on. Been a good, been a good laugh. Um, get you, get you on again, and we'll maybe do like I know we talked about like best elevens and all that. That'd be quite interesting. But um, no, cheers for coming on and stuff. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been good for having us. Yep. Well, hopefully everybody else gets some kind of enjoyment in these uh, sad times, you know. But that's it. It's the best we can do. Just try and keep everybody happy and all that. Anyway, right. Catch you next time, folks. Um, be safe. 